Broadcasting, didn't you? I uh, went to school for communications. Um, not so much like I, I did minor in, I guess I double majored in broadcasting and corporate communications, which is basically like a fancy way to say marketing. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, yeah, in terms of having any like radio or TV broadcasting knowledge, I don't possess any of that. Oh, I was going to be like, cool, you got this, I right? Know, <laughs> Okay. Well, anyway, Mark, um, just, you know, jumping right into it, I'm, I am I have to say, and I don't have to say this, I don't mean to like be buttering you up here, but I am very excited to be able to talk with you because I work at a, a rock station and we, we play your stuff. And I got to tell you, Dirty Honey's sound just cuts through. I called up my dad and I was like, hi, I think you'd really like this band. <laughs> I really need you to look at this because I feel like you have a very... Like it's very classic. Yeah, and that was yeah, that was Aerosmith for me growing up. I was going to like Aerosmith shows as a really little kid. Um, and I remember I got interviewed by the local news station walking into the show um, one night, and they were like, "Why are you here? Like you're so young." <laughs> I was like, "I just love this band," and they were like, "We talked to people from every decade tonight, and and you're the youngest one." So, yeah, I think. Um, you know, that's cool. Obviously, we, we get everybody from super young kids to people trying to reminisce in the glory days of rock and roll, and it's all good, man. We don't discriminate. I I think I read something that it was a perfect description, and now, of course, before I interviewed you, I tried to find it again. I couldn't find it, but it was something, it described Dirty Honey as new classic rock or something something like that, because I was like, Yes, it's not like you're trying to emulate something that I've heard before. It's like you were in a time machine and you just popped up <laughs> now. It- yeah, there's, there's so many influences there. that I think John calls it, um, uh, man, what does he call it? New fashion rock and roll or something. Like yes, that. Um, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. So he uh, he coined that term, which, which is definitely appropriate because there's definitely some more contemporary influences and you know, we, we were uh, just on social media, and, and the comparisons range from bands in the 60s and 70s to the 90s to more modern-day stuff. It's, like, crazy, the the list of stuff that people hear in our music, which is good, I guess, and bad, but more good than anything. Um, but, yeah. yeah, there's certainly some influences in there vocally from everybody from Steven Tyler to Robert Plant and Chris Cornell and Chris Robinson and Axel. They're they're all in there somehow, you know. Take me back there where you were talking about that Aerosmith is like one of your first bands that you go and see, you're a young kid. When you went and saw them, did you watch like Steven Tyler and be like, yeah, that's that's who I want to be? Or, or did that formulate a little bit later on in life? No, that was, uh, so what happened was um, in my hometown, there's a classic rock radio station called Pix 106 and Aerosmith was at my first show ever was Aerosmith, but before the show, they did a little promo at the station, and my stepdad showed up uh, in the driveway while they were live on the air. He was like, we're going to the station, Aerosmith's at the station, and I was like, get out of here. He's like, do you want to meet Steven Tyler and Joe Perry? Like, get in the car. <laughs> so we uh, we blasted over to the station. I was, like I said, this little kid, and 
Steven Tyler comes out and Joe Perry comes out and they're full on rock star signing, you know, girls' chests. And, yeah. you know, they were taking time with me, which is really cool. And then they jump in a limo and they go to the gig. And I was like, whatever these guys are doing is my dream <laughs> job. And I was like seven or something, you know. So, yeah, that's where it started. It was a pretty immediate uh, thing. And to find your passion, you know, really early in life is, is uh, a gift, honestly. Yeah. So and it sounds to me like, too, that, uh, you know, especially with the the Aerosmith comparison, which is funny that you should say specifically that band, I was going to bring them up and then you just did it on your own. And uh, it just feels like you already knew that rock was also specifically kind of more the genre you were going to be in. Yeah. By that point, I had already started collecting um, Aerosmith CDs and, you know, Van Halen. That was you know, Pearl Jam and Nirvana were big influences then, too. So, I mean, rock, I played hockey growing up, and rock and roll was always getting played in the locker room. Um, you know, like, Even Flow is a, a great example. Just the song that's kind of always on, you know. Right. In sports environments, and Welcome to the Jungle, and uh, I don't know, the list goes on and on. But, yeah, I took a liking to that at a really early age, and, and on top of everything else, realized I could hit notes uh, that, you know, ACDC were hitting in Aerosmith and, Zeppelin, and um, it just became a passion over time. So, when you moved to LA, did were you following that passion? Were you like, okay, this is me. This is the you. You did kind of the classic move with LA. You you, you moved there, right? And you were like, I'm going to break through the music industry. Was that the thinking? You know, originally it was just I was um, working. I was just trying to find a job in like film production, and my best friend had moved out to California to study jazz at USC. He's a fantastic uh, saxophonist. And he was the one who kind of pulled me aside and, and was like, dude, man, like, this is LA. You've got an incredible voice. You should be singing. You should let me help you get started um, booking gigs and stuff out here and get your feet, you know, get your feet on the ground. And he's like, I really think you should, this is what you should be doing. Screw that. Screw the film business. Like people, you, People had this idea of L.A., you know, Sunset Strip, there's going to be a lot of rock and rollers, and it just wasn't really happening at the time I moved out. So I was kind of like this unique thing uh, coming onto the scene, and uh, he was fortunately uh, had the foresight to see that. So Were you like, um, what? what is that called, like, uh, where you're, you're performing, like... On like uh the, the, like performing on the strip and you have the the hat and everything. Were you doing that? Like, cause no, busting, <laughs> no, I was. Uh, he just helped me get started booking gigs at bars and clubs and um, you know, setting me up with musicians that you know were like minded and and wanted to play rock and roll and you know, it, it just started as like cover gigs and and I think that's a you know that's a good place for people to start. You got to just get in front of people more than anything and, and get paid. Uh, you know, to, to go to work and take it a little more seriously than you would if, you know, you were just posting a video on, like, YouTube. Um, it's just a different it's a different thing to play in a bar and win over people rather than, you know, just putting stuff out on the Internet mindlessly. It's so funny you should mention that because, again, I feel like your story and Dirty Honey's story is so interesting because it's so classic in the midst of a world where, like you said, there's a lot of artists that are breaking through on YouTube, on TikTok, but in the sense that they don't have to see people face to face. They Some some of 
some cases, they've never even played a live show. And um, that's a very different, it seems like a very different, you know, experience. Whereas you get to kind yeah. of form a connection with people. Yeah. And, and a connection with yourself really is the most important thing and understanding you know, how an audience works, when they're losing their interest in you, how to get them re, um, re-interested in you, how to maintain their attention. And, um, you know, you learn all these subtle tricks as you're going along and how to be a better performer. And, you know, it's something I find that a lot of people don't have because they didn't put in those years, you know, winning somebody over, you know, there could be five people at a bar on a Tuesday night. you got to win them all over so that, the, you know, you're not playing to an empty uh, – club somewhere you know it's it's a tough thing to go through but once you start to figure it out it gets a lot easier what was like one of the biggest things you learned just starting out as a performing artist as a performing artist um well the biggest thing i learned really was to for me especially was just to warm up the vocals um and and that became almost like a religious practice for me um even to this day and you know i talk to miles kennedy a lot about it and it's pretty constant with anybody that's still going um from you know the 70s or the 80s bands that they usually have some sort of vocal routine that they do and it just keeps them fresh you know and especially in these times when you're in quarantine and not doing shows and really not using your voice uh in in a a real like performing environment it's really important to maintain uh you know, a regimen to not only keep you sane, but keep your voice in shape. Gargling like salt water and, and that kind of thing? I do, uh, I do these exercises every day. It only takes about 20 minutes. But um, I noticed after about a month of doing them, you know, when I started, uh, I, I did a gig and I noticed, like, I had some, you know, it was a subtle thing, but I noticed I had some better skills and I had a better range. And uh, I was like, wow, this is really working and, and the drummer at the gig that night was like you sound great tonight man and I was like yeah, right? I think it's because of these <laughs> thing I've been doing which I had no idea would have such a profound impact on me but yeah that was a big uh, that was a big thing early on so how did you find now you, it's funny you said the drummer at the gig now how did you find the rest of your band how, how did you all come together it's funny that same drummer kid Cam Tyler he invited John Notto the guitarist to one of our pub gigs, he was like, come and sit in, you know, one night, here's one of these originals that we're doing, maybe you should learn that. And John came in and just blew the doors off the song, and he was so cool looking, and he had this great, like, Les Paul that he was playing, and uh, I just thought he was really cool, and struck up a conversation with him, and he was interested in starting a, an original project, and, you know, he, he had known Justin, um, our bassist, uh, for a long time, and he brought him into the mix, and then Justin brought Corey into the mix, and it all culminated at a gig. Uh, it's funny you mentioned busking. We weren't busking. We were, uh, well, we were playing out on Sunset Boulevard on the sidewalk one day for this event that happens every year, and there was like 150 people just watching this nobody band play on the street, and Corey got up from the drums and was like, I want to be in this band. And we were like, all right, that's like the last piece we really need, so... Glad uh, we were glad that he said that. Obviously, right? It's it's kind of like when you're playing a video game with a group of people and you keep winning, and you're like, well, you, you know what? We should stay together. <laughs> yeah, this, exactly. <laughs> this makes sense. No, it definitely did, and he, yeah. he was uh, really the struggle in LA was always trying to find people that wanted to be in a band and not um, 
not be a side man. You know, there's a lot of people that are exceptional musicians that can make a good living playing for Shania Twain or Christina Aguilera, and and they yeah. lose sight of their own dream in that process, which is really sad to me. Yeah, that's wow, and that that is so crazy because then you know when when do you get to work on your own original stuff? You know, are are you in it for that? With that being said, you guys come together. Did was there kind of a discussion of like, well, this is kind of the vibe we're going for because it all seems so. It makes sense. Like I'm kind of I'm looking at y'all's band photo right now. It just makes sense. It, it, you all like look like you're all in the same page. You're in the same vibe. I've seen a couple bands before where I'm like, it looks like the four of them look like they're in different bands. That's not the case with you guys. It's very cohesive. But I wonder yeah. if there was a co- if there was um. A conversation about that like this is the vibe we want early on we just had a couple songs that were a little bit all over the place there was like a ballad there was uh one of the songs fire away is out um there was another tune that was a little more muse like we had all these influences and there was a conversation where it's like we gotta you know what are we really about um and i think there's a lot of resistance specifically from john and justin who were really focused on trying to push whatever the rock and roll movement is a little bit more forward in, in a creative sense. And it was just not coming off as authentic because it wasn't, you know, you talk, their favorite bands are Guns N' Roses, ACDC, Zeppelin, mm-hmm. Smith, uh, Queen, you know, and, and I was pretty steadfast about wanting to do a, a thing that's blues rock. I wanted to be in a rock and roll band, you know, um, and that's, that's always what I was chasing. And, and uh, when we wrote When I'm Gone and sort of found our groove uh, creatively, it was pretty obvious. Like, we should just be doing what comes natural to us, man. Like, this is not even a conversation anymore. This is exponentially better than anything else we've done. So It sounds like you play music like the, the music you want to listen to. Would that be, like, a fair assessment? It sounds I like you're having fun. Any artist. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and I think ultimately um, I try to write stuff that I do like, you know. I don't – it's not that I dislike Muse. I love Muse, but that's not what right. I do best. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, so when it came to writing music, yeah, I want to like it first. And then in addition, you hope other people love it as well. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm selfish in that way. I want to love what I'm doing, of course. Yeah, because you're going to keep having to play I don't it. I expect anybody else to if I don't. Right, right, exactly. So um, so you guys did your EP, Dirty Honey, self-released. Again, I cannot get over the fact when I was, you know, looking through that this is, that you guys are so new. <laughs> like, I can't, you just sound so right. cemented. Like, I, I just, I was like, oh, wait, this is new? Like, oh my gosh, you know. So, um. That being said, you know, you're going to be playing the, 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 the Viper Room, which is pretty pretty awesome. Is this your first time going to be playing there? First time that I, I've, I've done my jams there, but it's the first time Dirty Honey's playing at the Viper Room, um, you know, as, as a unit for sure. And, you know, we're pretty excited about that. It's a pretty legendary club here on the Sunset Strip. And, yeah, it's going to be a fun little show. We're going to do some new music and introduce some some tunes to our audience and hopefully your audience obviously for the first time and we're we're really excited that you know while we can't really get in to australia right now to make our our new album um at least we have this outlet to perform some new music and and let people hear it for the first time and see what you said it's going to be uh it's going to be a pretty uh, kick-ass little 
little uh, event. So we're excited. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing this performance, and I'm looking forward to, honestly, just the more you guys put out. I can't wait till you can go back to, you know, not go back to Australia, but go to Australia to record this. Yeah, we're trying to figure out the details with that, whether it doesn't seem like that's going to be a viable option just because they're really strict about the coronavirus out there, and rightfully so. But um, we're going to figure out how to make a record um, one way or another, you know, in the next couple weeks or months. And uh, when it does come out, I'm already very excited to get it out. So it's just a matter of doing it and doing it right and, and getting it done. Awesome. Cool. Well, I will be I will be watching for it. <laughs> all right. Check out Dirty Honey's self-titled EP on all streaming platforms and anywhere you buy music and catch the live stream of their show, Lockdown Live at the Viper Room on Friday, July 24th, this Friday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Tickets are 9.55. Log on to dirtyhoney.beeps.com for more info. Mark, thanks so much. <laughs> Thank you.